and welcome everybody to our live edition of V'ger Please, A Hateful Voyage to the Delta Quadrant, Season 4, Rest in Peace. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. And thank you for to all of you who are tuning in. Please feel free to fill the old uh, chat up with your hot takes as Peter and I discuss the season that was for us. We have finished all of the episodes of Season 4 of Star Trek Voyager. We have spoken of what feels like a minimum of an hour for essentially each of them, including uh, uh, Concerning Flight, which I think we deserve a medal for to this day. Jesus Christ. And, and we also uh, tried to get through all of Star Trek Picard and failed miserably. Uh, so we're going to use this as our opportunity to talk a bit about uh, how we how we felt about uh, Star Trek Picard in the end. Maybe not necessarily going through each episode we didn't review or specific plot points because that, that feels futile, but maybe talking meta about Trek in 2020 and and why Picard uh, failed. Uh, but first and foremost, we have a tradition when it comes to reviewing seasons of Star Trek Voyager and having a little bit of retrospective, and that is uh, offering our end-of-season rewards. Uh, awards our end of season awards and we have quite a lineup for you this evening i would like peter to start with the you know the classic top three and bottom three episodes as as we uh experience them for season four of voyager what do you think i think that's a great idea. let me first of all let me back up and just say I'm very excited for this uh it feels like season four has lasted forever in a good way um, and I take these little season recaps very serious. I've got printouts. I got clipboards. I got two notebooks. I got laptops. Like I put more work into this than I did most things professionally. You reviewed the all the tape. Like you were ready. You reviewed all the game tape. Yeah. I remember you saying like I was listening. You're listening to episodes we did seven months ago. Yeah. And, and I want to, and they're all excellent. I think that's some of our best work. We, the first couple in that uh, in the season four beginning, I think we really had some really great stuff in there. Nemesis particularly stands out as a strong force. But I think that doing the season four rip here is the hardest yet because season one and two was so easy to pick bad things. It was so hard yeah. to come up with good stuff. Season four is the first season that really feels lived in. It's self-referential. Characters are growing. New things are coming in. Old things are leaving. And there's there's a lot going on. And there's a there's a history that comes with each action. And I think it took a lot more thought to reach a lot of the conclusions I did for our uh, awards on this. Same. I, I I do think that the biggest surprise to me has been that the the overall quality of of some of the pre season four Voyager, which I, I kind of like had that. You know, that that I don't know, there's a, a word to describe it when you think something's bad because you've been told it's bad, but not necessarily because it is like your own experiences are sort of like subsumed by uh, the the tribal knowledge. But uh, going back through them, there was a, quite a few gems, particularly in season three, I think, uh, that we enjoyed. But season four overall definitely the strongest so far. That's not to say they weren't some fucking turds. And I'm looking very much forward to going through that with you as well um so what do we say for top three man what's what's your picks you've got some very strong contenders in yours and wherever possible for this i tried to deviate my own opinion just so we're not repeating each other 
Um, I'm going to have to say that my favorite ended up being Living Witness, which is an episode that you, I think, referred to as one of your favorite Star Treks ever, if not for sure your favorite Voyager. And, and I agree. It's excellent conceptual sci-fi. It's a great performance by everyone involved. It is a perfect what-if alternate universe that plays perfectly within the possibility of what could happen in Voyager. It's a, a quintessential Voyager bottle episode without actually being a bottle episode because yes, it that is the future, and and we're not being exposed to uh, the the god awful blight of Picard in the process, which you know <laughs> is a top three qualifier for sure um i put my uh, second one with hope and fear which was our season four finale it was just non-stop excellence there's two excellent episodes that run side by side there's the we're gonna get home plot line that turns into a massive trap uh as well as a completely out of left field consequence moment from scorpion part two i i can't and I did come up with some stuff, some criticisms eventually for. I was about to say, I think your your it's your favorite episode, but it's specifically the last twenty minutes that's your favorite episode. I mean, even the beginning too, like that was the the overarching story of the hidden Starfleet message, or even just the communication with Starfleet through the Herogen relay was a strong point through the entire uh, season, and that was a great resolution to that. Uh, I will go ahead and point out, you know, we mentioned it on the trauma support group, but. There was a weak point of that, which we never discussed, and that was why Starfleet felt it necessary to use their top-level encryption for uh, a message that was basically, <laughs> sorry, you're fucked. <laughs> Such a good episode. I don't care. Uh, and then, of course, Year of Hell. The the only bad thing you can say about Year of Hell is that it is a bottle episode and nothing ultimately fucking mattered but man what a ride it it is the voyager movie you know and and two of our three uh picks are the same i think that uh it's hard to watch all of season four and not come away with two of your three favorite episodes being year of hell and living witness um i stand by living witness being my number one and year of hell being my number two um my only complaint about is the same for you as far as year as hell it's it's a bottle episode and and there's this unspoken but demonstrated character growth that the characters go through during that two-parter that would have been so cool if it was able to pay off in the series itself ironically in particular in particular we pointed out like character growth between seven of mine and tuvok that we thought would have been really cool for them to have actually had and then instead it just oh no no one remembers what happens it's it's over now seven of nine's character development through all of season four is this dry hump of the same story over and over and over again and some episodes tell her finding her humanity better than others but it's ironic that the one that really i think had the best moments of character growth and humanity for her is the one that just ultimately doesn't fucking matter Yes. And of course, Space Boddicker. Uh And then uh, my my number three was different from yours. Not to say that more uh, that um, uh, Hope and Fear wasn't good, but Mortal Coil was my third favorite. That being the episode when uh, uh, Space Snarf Snarf uh, had a little run in with uh, the potential lack of an afterlife. 
I am a sucker for the spiritual episode. And I also love it when Star Trek kind of puts a little bit of darkness out there and then doesn't rescue you from it. Like the, the end of that episode is Neelix attempting to kill himself because he thinks that his life has no purpose because he's interpreted his vision quest as to say that there is no Talaxian afterlife and there's that none of his relatives are there waiting for him. And this spiritual underpinning in which he's based his kind of hopes and dreams doesn't exist. And they don't tell you at the end, Oh no, it's all totally true. And Neelix, you know, has that moment of revelation that, you know, reaffirms his faith. No, no, uh, Chakotay has to come in and basically explain to him, like, there's going to be unanswered questions the whole rest of your life. And you, you, you've you got to make decisions about how you're going to live from this point forward, taking one step at a time. And it's such a great episode for not just Neelix, but Chakotay as well, I think, as a character. And at, I will always, always rate that one very highly because it leaves you a little unsteady at the end. It is a miracle episode in that it takes so much of Voyager's trash baggage that we have shit on heavily and somehow scoops it all together into this delicious meatloaf of leftovers that you would have never thought that these different elements from earlier seasons dragged together and brought to the forefront could somehow work. Again, like you pointed out, cult leader uh, Chakotay being such an effective presence and and so thoughtful and, and wonderful, like... What the fuck? It's it's like I said, it's an amazing miracle. It's like the only fucking time it's ever happened where his spiritual uh, underpinnings aren't the absolute worst part of the episode. In fact, there's another episode this season uh, where, that, where where it's the the reverse is true. But we'll get to that uh, as we discuss our bottom three episodes. What are your picks, Peter? I want to say that. My congratulations to season four is that I had such a hard time picking these, not because there were so many, but because it was hard to go through and actually find three terrible episodes. And I'm looking at the wall of shame over here. Um, Season one, season two particular, I've got a ton of bad ones up there. The strength of season four is not that there. I should say the weakness isn't that there's terrible episodes. Like I think every almost every episode this season had something redeeming or or multiple things redeeming about it. And then just one thing that really soured it. It wasn't just like with the exception of concerning flight, which is going to probably be my, my number one pick. There's, there's not a lot of clunkers. And I went through the roster of episodes over and over again. I really scratched my head. Like, yeah, this had, uh, you know, this had uh, a stupid alien component and this had Janeway acting really dumb, but there was always like some sort of redeeming feature to the, the second or third, plot a b and c plots so concerning flight complete and utter garbage uh i feel bad for john reese davies i hope he had a real fat ass paycheck (laughs) the introduction of as you put it uh cartoon leonardo da vinci it was terrible her actions were insufferable and uh like god damn he tried so fucking hard he did he he tried so hard effort was there the script was not there Oh, it's awful. It was it was literally Kathy Janeway's uh, cosplay fan fiction comes to life and she decides to apparel the entirety of her crew uh, to continue to have her fantasy fun time while dealing with Delta Quadrant space pirates who can't shoot for shit. Ah, okay. Anyway, Uh, number two for me went to scientific method. That was the episode where. um, 
it was, it was re- with all the 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 hidden scientists are like doing space elf dr mengala's fucking with everybody yes. really you felt that one's that was worthy of being the second worst I listened to our episode again, and I was reminded like how disgusted I was that it was such a ineffective retread of the old TNG episode schisms. Um, there were some okay parts in it, but ultimately it was just a boring episode that didn't bring anything new to the table. I really disliked it. And, you know, was it the worst Voyager ever? No. And again, I think season four, it's hard to find any of the absolute worst, but that it was just a really a sour shit episode. Uh, and, and the ending particularly was so fucking terrible. Uh, that was Janeway deciding to go play chicken uh, with the aliens and fly through the binary star in this really sloppy attempt to, to resolve the, the plot. I mean, she could have just used the self-destruct, which she always uses and, and is well within her wheelhouse, but her little suicide mood over there was just dumb and I hated it. Uh, I I agree it's bad, but I I don't think it was top three bad. But I understand. What's your third pick? What's your third pick? Uh, retrospect, which was such a bad, awkward episode that when we were divine interventioned by internet gods, <laughs> that <laughs> stopped our episode and lost the recording. We made the decision to just let bygones be bygones and not pick that turd back up. I, I don't know how bad the episode truly was in a vacuum, but, you know, prior to the last few weeks, obviously giving us another, you know, giant news story that's dominated our lives. I can't think of anything else more difficult to try and record a podcast about than an episode of Star Trek Voyager where seven of nine gets possibly sexually assaulted, but not really. And it's it's just like, no, 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 I refuse. The take home point in that whole episode for me, too, is the fact that Voyager picks fights and forces lethal conclusions that don't need to happen. Uh, And I wanted to rant again about that, that the guy she accuses falsely accuses of uh, molesting her or assaulting or whatever the stealing or, you know, ironically accuses her of exactly what the the third plot line of Picard is and that's you know stealing Borg technologies from ex Borg and him being like no I didn't do that and him trying to escape and Voyage be like no but come here we want to talk about it but we want to he's like no 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 and then finally forces a fight where he dies and everybody feels like shit and it's like yeah Voyager you, you force these situations that was stupid I want to give it an honorable mention for one of the bottom three episodes here and that would be uh, the product of Kenneth Bewilder of course I mean <laughs> Random the most bewildering episode ever. Oh, man. It is a bad episode in the premise, which I think we will go on to shit many times during this podcast about, because if you are a species of brittle ass empaths that can't take negative thoughts and you don't have like billboards everywhere saying, leave your meanies at home or we're going to lobotomize them like how fucking stupid. Um, and then just the, the crazy twist into back alley choke daddy sweaty heavy hookup yeah grinding with with special guest star event horizon footage like, yes. 
and that was after we had referenced Event Horizon like in Numerous a completely time. independent f- fashion. Like it is as if twenty five years in the past they could hear our conversation. But if I had to watch on uh, random thoughts by myself as an average Joe sitting at home binging Netflix, I would have been that would have been my my bottom pick for sure. But because it was such a batshit crazy episode, it was so fun to talk about as a podcast. Like the podcast benefit there kept it <laughs> off the list. And, and actually, you know, it's, it's one of our better episodes, I think, to listen to. Um, so it saved it from the bottom. What's your uh, what's your bottom of the barrels for this? Concerning flight is the consensus number one pick. It is the only like elogium level bad episode of the season by far. Like, and it, it's still better than most of the other worst episodes from each prior season. Uh, so it has that going for it entirely on the charisma of John Reese Davies, but it's still like the concept of it and execution of it is essentially wrong at every stage. And uh, it is a deeply, uh, irritating thing to watch. It's um, fan fiction. It it's not just it's it's fan fiction, and then it's this inexplicable desire on the part of the of a Starfleet captain to live out her own fan fiction at the expense of the actual people she's commanding, like to the point where it almost becomes self referential. Like in the episode, Tuvok like gets really frustrated with Janeway's like entertaining having, you know, uh cartoon Leonardo da Vinci around and like says, you know what? Fuck it. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I, I'm just gonna go back to the ship. Just please solve this fucking problem, I guess. Whatever. It's it's so dumb. I wanna um, take a, a real quick sidebar here and talk about Janeway's portrayal. Uh, something we've been especially critical of her writing it sometimes just being deplorable. I want to compliment the staff and I want to compliment Voyager as a series for making a character who perhaps unintentionally is so deeply flawed. Um, Voyager was a very bold program to have such a female heavy cast and specifically a woman in the role of captain. They got a lot of flack for it. And it would have been very easy, I think, to make a Mary Sue always right captain who is just perfect in all ways. And instead you have someone who is real and has flaws and makes many bad decisions and comes to odds with her crew. And I think that's a showing of respect from the writing room of making her seem real instead of just this two dimensional, uh, literally a Mary Sue that, you know, just can do no wrong. Right. Like we, we love TNG era JLP. Uh, but TNG era JLP is almost perf- too perfect, you know, to the he point where... He hates children, Joe. Didn't you know he hates children? <laughs> uh, and and a, a character in the command role with a bit more realistic angles to them. Uh, and Cisco's the same way when, when, when we potentially get a chance to watch DS9. Um, yeah, I think you'll appreciate that this this was also something that they they looked forward with him uh that yeah i agree but i also think it's not entirely um self-aware on their part i think a lot of the problems that we're seeing are ones that they just kind of like fell ass backwards into it's bad it's unintentional bad writing 
And but and speaking of unintentional bad writing, my second worst episode uh, was Waking Moments, uh, which was the Chakotay, Chuck Ote, the Dream Warrior uh, episode where uh, only because he has special Native American Dream Warrior powers. I'm not fucking kidding you. Uh, can they escape the pool of a bunch of psychic space vampires who live on a planet where everyone's just asleep all the time? Yet they all have nice department store clothes. Yes. And and a magic just... thought device that compounds the... That could have been a great episode. And we said it in the podcast for Waking Moments. And I'll say it again now. The, there was a backstory there that this was a used an abused alien race of telepaths that had uh, been enslaved and used for nefarious purposes. And now they're so afraid of outsiders that after they overthrew their masters and took the technology from them, they've become these psychic predators that that would have been great. You don't get any of that. It's just ugly dudes sleeping in a cave and, and, and what, what's the end point of all this other than finding out that, the EMH is willing to commit genocide and nuke an alien race from orbit. Yep. He, uh, he, he certainly was ready to fire all the torpedoes and just blow the place up. Never mind. You could have just sent him down instead, but you know, that's yes, whatever. I'm not going to relive that. Uh, my, my last, but, but before we the- jump off of that too, I, I want to also give a shout out to that episode in particular. What was the other fucking infuriating part about that? I lost it. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Uh, you know what you also lost is uh, your footfalls in the forest when we reviewed Nemesis. Um, that was the episode where uh, Chakotay, yet again, uh, is placed on the Catch and Jungle Fighters planet uh, where they all speak in weird metaphors. And suddenly he forgot that he spent uh, you know, a portion of his adult life as a terrorist while hanging out with a bunch of, uh, of jungle fighters. And uh, it's, I found the method of their speech not nearly as annoying as you, but in, in looking back at that episode, it was definitely bad, and it was bad because they botched Chakotay's characterization essentially incorrectly the entire time. Like, it, nothing that they set him up for made any sense. Like, he should have been on the that planet as, now nah, I get you. I understand. I used to do the same thing. I saw the error of my ways. Maybe I'll try to convince you that you need to find other ways because, you know, I'm trying to reconnect with my Starfleetness now and been, you know, serving as the XO of the ship for a while. That was the mode to be in. Instead, he's just this total pacifist who doesn't understand terrorism, which I, why did you write it this way? Why did this happen? I don't get it. My other infuriating moment on scientific method was the fact that the whole crew couldn't understand shared consciousness, and we had to explain it on two separate scenes to the e-viewers. That that, <laughs> that was fucking infuriating in a massive waste of time. I'm amazed that you just put Nemesis up on the board as one of your bottom three. You defended that episode very tightly. I hated the way they talked. I'm still split down the middle on the episode, and for that, I called it a neutral. Like Part of it was infuriating and terrible, and then some of it was like really good sci-fi, had some of the best plot fake-outs we've had. And once we get past the halfway point and like Maquis, Chakotay surfaces, uh, I, I thought that there was a, a good, engaging story there that I did not see the ending 
what should have been the ending coming at the end when like they drag Chakotay in front of the alien dude like oh here's the prime minister and Chakotay's like fuck this guy I'm still all fucked up from you know these LC or uh, LSD experiments like that was silly but I I, I see the chat Uh, Chakotay Sway Coopte yeah, it's, it's... that's me. And that's yeah, of course, co-opte. It, <laughs> we, it is what he's doing in that episode really so far outside of his character or has his character again really affirmed the co-opte status that if you pitch him a good enough sob story, current status be damned, he will back whatever cause you have with with, with no prejudice. Um, yeah, again, I, I'm surprised. I was very surprised to see Nemesis on your bottom three. What is not a, a well no okay there's another category here biggest botch episode so I I take it that this is episode that had the most potential and then kicked itself into the uh, itself in the dick so hard it wound up being bad the quintessential Voyager episode Voyager is a television show is, about yes about wasted potential yeah, yeah Day of Honor is fucking terrible I almost put that as one of my bottom three. You got so much. You got a warp core ejection. You've got a race ravaged by the Borg. You've got a warp core um, hostage situation. The amazing two port part story you could have told about this. And I'm sure there's other elements out there that that aren't springing out to me right now. Um, and instead, you squander all of it and turn it into this. Oh, oh, you know, and there's really good Balana. Even though it's a terrible episode about Balana, there's really good Balana growth. It's like that's one that really opened my eyes up and says Balana's just like wants to be this nerd and she has this warrior expectation thrust on her just because of the way she was born. Like we've you talked before about your wife's identification with Balana Torres because coming from a multiracial home and and this and that. And I thought like this and not as much about race, but about like this is the bookworm I want to be. And this is the expectation of what I'm supposed to be in the, this culture. So many excellent pieces and components to that episode. And just somehow they bring it all together in the worst way possible. And how can you have a fucking episode about jettisoning the warp core be so goddamn boring? And the answer to that is Tom Paris, Bolana up close romance. Yeah. For the last 15 minutes, like you, you set all this up and, and, Instead of paying off the space conundrum that you've built around this, instead it's focused on this interpersonal relationship. Not to mention, I mean, it it's it's like eighty percent cold when it comes to Tom Bolano stuff. Like we're we're not fans of it. We don't think it, that plays well. We don't. We think the actors struggle to find chemistry, struggle to find kind of like good moments to get this relationship working on screen, and then it's just episodes dominated by it and when it wasn't working it wasn't working i agree the episode's pretty pretty Even bad the overall. chicken people is, is some of the best starfleet prosthetics you've ever you know uh, that we've yeah, seen great alien some of the best alien makeup we've seen period just they shit the bed with with gold i don't get how you do it whatever i did not select i didn't have consider until now a biggest botch um i think that though if i had to give it in truth I would give it to year of hell because the botch is how much got put on the table to be used in that show moving forward that they just didn't. And instead it's a great star Trek two-parter that means nothing. Ultimately like good moments, great visual effects, 
some great like ship destruction, slow decay, all kinds of cool stuff happened in that episode, and none of it matters. It's because the Q episode should... that we should have had and never got. Had had Q popped in last minute and said, "See, this is why humanity has potential. This is why this ship is special. I'm going to give you a gift. Everybody's going to remember what happened here, and I'm going to reset the clock." That that fixes all that the or like. Of- the temporal inversion or whatever, like they could have built some, even a little bit of techno babble as to why all of them, because of their proximity to what happened for that long, for that year, they remember it or whatever. Like they could have found a way. It didn't necessarily even have to be Q, although the Q idea would work. They needed to do something so that that episode mattered the rest of the run of the show. And I think that would have been so cool. And instead it just didn't. And it was just this cool two-parter with Space Boddicker. Um, and it was it was neat, but that's all it was. Um, we have a lot of nominees for our world-famous uh, TM pending Weakest Shit Award. Um, I've got... I, I thought, like, oh, I've got three or four here. That's good. And then I saw you've got, like, nine. Um, Couldn't help myself. Let's, <laughs> let's explain to our viewers what... What is the origin of the Weakest Shit Award, Peter? Why don't you tell that tale? Well, uh, was that the Jetral origin? It that was. was Weakest Shit is something that Voyager does that is so fucking infuriating that it just leaves an unforgettable taint. It goes so against genre, it defies the universe or expectations or character development Bible, whatever you want to call it, that... It's, it's amazing. And I've got so many entries on this because, like I said, we don't have bad episodes per se in season four. You have bad elements that are are cancerous in an episode. There's there's plenty of good in any of these episodes for the most part, but just one pervasive thought that really just gets you between the ribs and hits you in the heart. I I see a number that just feel like you're just going to go off into orbit, as you mentioned. them. So what? Peter, what's your number one? What's your number one nominee for weakest shit? Oh, my, the one that I'm gonna have to say is is the the worst. Yeah, sparing seven of nines, life in Scorpion two. It is <laughs> unprecedented. What a fucking stupid idea this is. There has never ever, with the exception of John Luke Picard, uh, been an effort by Starfleet to resuscitate a Borg. Um, Hugh was brought in and being developed as a weapon and he developed or he, you know, came out of the Borg haze on his own. And as a consequence, they, they viewed him as an individual again, and he got his freedom that way. But for Voyager to go out of its way after jettisoning an entire complement of Borg's, uh, whatever attackers at that point, um, and deciding, Hey, here's this one that we're going to turn into our pet and try and turn into a real girl against all common sense is just it makes the entire season fall apart really the rationale as to why they did was extremely underdeveloped i completely agree um it didn't seem like it was necessary for what their plan was (laughs) to spare seven of nine and there was never an explanation or moment in the script where something about seven of nine was worth saving. Whereas all of the other drones weren't. And I can't think we can emphasize that enough. Voyager like definitely murders the shit out of a couple dozen drones. 
specifically by like flushing about the airlock or whatever like Chakotay does or brutal very very and, telltale shiar shiar of him yes and it's so it is it is not like they weren't disposing of these guys left and right it just so happened that obviously seven of nine was the spokesperson for the collective and was the the face woman but aside from that was in no way special that they indicated to anybody and there is an inexplicable desire you know decision just to sever her from the collective and and make her the pet drone of the ship that they never actually provide an explanation for so i agree it's weak shit but I don't think it's the weakest shit of the season by a long stretch. I think there are far more inexplicable moments. And to me, you already highlighted it was one you picked out that I didn't think of until I saw it, but I see it now. Year of Hell is a direct reference to a season three Voyager episode where Cass time travels through her own life. And there's a whole segment of her life regarding the Kremen and their chronoton weapons and a period called the Year of Hell that she experiences as part of that episode. And it is noted at the end that she remembers all of it and that she, in fact, was going to write a report detailing everything that she knew for Voyager's use for the possibility that they would someday encounter the Kremen and this whole situation with this chronoton weaponry. That, that got Bolana and Janeway killed in that episode, in that timeline. And somehow, some way, they go back to that idea, they decide to do that episode, and nobody mentions on screen or even implies the existence of Kess's report that was explicitly created in the season prior. Yeah, I mean, this what is... What the fuck?! Uh, going back and listening to the the our episode on that like i i fucking lost it and and maybe that should have been my weakest shit it's on my list of grievances here but uh everything about year of hell is 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 built in was it time and again yes you know it's a direct there's even one for one shots like it's it's just unfathomable and it unravels the entire series of yeah, events and they even have the chronoton torpedo thing but instead of cast at seven of nine like they they recreate parts of that episode you know the writer sat and watched the episode time and again before they wrote it's it's just inexcusably bad yeah i guess that's really the weakest shit in this um what else you got for your weakest shit nominees uh you know how at the end of demon they just decide to let the metal planet uh clone the entire crew and then fuck off without a single line of dialogue after that that makes no sense to me you're talking about a federation starship with a duty towards the prime directive and first contact and and you know new life new civilizations and you're in this situation where you're essentially have accidentally created new life you have all of this responsibility as a consequence of being responsible for creating this new life and wants to expand and evolve and clone you. And you have zero discussion at the end of the episode about, do we do this? Does everyone agree? Why is this a good idea? What are the potential consequences? Not just not enough discussion, not just underdeveloped at rationale. It's that it goes completely unremarked on the episode ends with Get everyone to the cargo bay. 
then it's a wide shot effect shot of a, all of the metal people having cloned everyone on the ship while the ship flies away with no dialogue. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so crazy and cheeky and fun that I just I can't be mad. <laughs> I mean, so- I guess I, I I wasn't as mad at the time because we had those two dulcet tone having Australians whispering in our ears and, you know, sharing uh, mind bending uh, details about the episode. I know there's going to be a follow up episode to it, so I, I can't be that mad. Um, I also want to give a, a big shout out for the weakest shit award to the end of Visa V, and that is the one where Tom Paris gets tired with his life and there's that body jumper who seduces him kind of and then takes his body and and flies off and in the background of this entire and i really liked vis-a-vis but in the background of this entire episode is there's this fantastic super warp drive technology and that is uh how the bad guy escapes and goes off and they got to come back and find blah 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 this mega warp drive which is like right up there with transport basically is installed in one of the shuttlecraft. Tom helps this guy repair this thing. Everybody's had a lot of access to this fucking mega warp drive. And they still have possession of all this knowledge and technology at the end of the episode. And that's it. Never gets talked about again. It just gets put in the fucking closet with that uh, George Foreman grill that nobody uses anymore. And that's all she wrote. Stupid. Back on track before we lose you for good here. All right. Okay, so shit you want to bring up? Uh, you mentioned on this list uh, the removal of Kess. I don't think that was weak shit necessarily. I think that episode was actually super solid. I don't mean the episode. I mean the concept of taking the best fucking character in the series and writing her off for because we need titties and we don't want two blondes. Can't argue with that. Um, let's let's diverge from the awards for a second let's talk about that because that was obviously uh, a through through line on our discussion through the entire season was the juvenile way in which they attempted to get more viewers onto the show was we need to have sex appeal which i'm not saying that star trek didn't ever use sex appeal to try and entice viewers Original 60s Star Trek had them short skirts. Uh, you know, uh, you, you certainly had Troy in uh, flattering outfits throughout uh, most of TNG's run. Um, you know, it's 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 a thing. I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, it's part of uh, appealing to a mass audience is using a little bit of sex appeal to your advantage. But it never felt quite so brazen until fucking seven of nine in skin tight bodysuits with huge tracts of lands shooting her wide on purpose just so you can see as much of it as possible as often as possible and it's such a loss because seven of nine's an interesting character jerry ryan's a good actress and it just feels like it was all super devalued as a consequence of you know we're doing this because this was this is how we think we're going to get more eyeballs on this show don't get it. And, it. and it goes to show that even 25 years ago, you had people in production that didn't understand what made Star Trek good. You know, we're we're going to bitch about this later when we talk about Picard, right? About why the fuck are the people who are making Star Trek not understand what makes it good? 
I guess the difference between now and then is that you still had a lot of people who were there just a few years prior making TNG, who are making DS9, who did get it. And so, you know, UPN is like breathing down their neck. Hey, hey, you're our flagship show. We need just show to be successful. Get some titties in there. You know, and they're like, okay, well, we'll do that, but we're going to build a whole story around this. We're going to make it as interesting as possible. And then we're going to tell the same story 15 times. Um, (sighs) That's the weakest shit right there. Kess being removed is is the weakest shit to me because they got rid of her right when it got good. Right when Voyager realized its own vision and manifested its promise, they abandoned it. I'm going to say it and and I'm going to stick my guns on it. Voyager was very far ahead of its time. Looking at Voyager now with 2020 vision, seeing Janeway, seeing the diverse crew they have that doesn't feel forced, seeing the stories that they tell, uh, it it feels very natural, feels very good to me to watch. I can't say what it would have been like to watch it as a 37-year-old back in 98, but um, it's great, it's progressive, it's super good, and to throw all the hard work they put into making it all of that without titties in a cat suit uh, was very defeating. So that's, that's what you, you mentioned it here in your notes, but I'll spoil it. Did a show ever pass the Bechdel test better than Voyager? I mean, like as far as having women having dialogue where they're not discussing men, right? Like that was, no, the, it beats the, Kess, the Bechdel test before it was invented. The Kess goodbye episode, the gift specifically. I mean, you've got so much strong female plot going on and there. No talk of guys anywhere. It's just, it's, I, and I do think that there's plenty of room in the episode, in the series for seven of nine and Kess. Um, yeah. Getting rid of her was not necessary. Let's go ahead and jump to the worst character. Uh, category here because it's going to play into that directly and i'm going to tell you right now my worst character for this season is harry kim harry kim was originally supposed to be written off the show for some reason they decided to swap it out for Kess, and it's it had something to do with jerry taylor and the guy who played vorick i don't you know it, it, that's all fucking rumor but harry kim has some very strong entries and moments towards the later half of season four but for the vast majority of season four he's just completely fucking worthless they don't know what to do with him it's not hate against garrett wing it's just the writers did not know where to put him and he's basically a fucking light switch on the wall for all intents and purposes in the majority of season four i i do think that his his strong appearances in the latter third of the season kind of balance it out. I wouldn't call him the worst. I think the worst character was seven of nine. And that is by no fault of the character itself or its actress. Like it just was so tiring to deal with having them tell the same story over and over and over again, that I got really tired of it. You got really tired of it. By the time we were reviewing, you know, the, the last seven becomes a real girl episode. We were just, exhausted and that wore on me a lot more than them not necessarily knowing exactly what to do with seven of nine like he was barely in the show for the first half of the season i don't think that may it doesn't make him the worst i think by default i think you could make a better case for tom because like his one highlight episode he's just kind of a real fucking tom's a bitch all season four and i say that somewhere later on the list that he's just a, he's a miserable cunt a majority of this season but <laughs> but harry is just i mean go back and listen to the season four episodes again we shit on him 
nonstop for how worthless and tacked on he feels. I want to do two special highlights of his low points in this. One is the complete writing botch of him being totally ignorant to his experiences with 8472 during the Herogen plotline when uh, the 8472, the Space Mewtwo gets on. He's crawling through the fucking Jeffrey's tube and finds, uh, you know, evidence that they're there and just zero, zero recollection that he almost he was supposed to die with alien snot all over his face. And they they saved him because he's one of the most beautiful people, according to Time magazine. Fucking terrible. That was an excellent opportunity for character growth. None. And then the second was, um, well, three also. Uh, him trying to like force himself, not force himself, but like trying to hook up with uh, seven. And then when she's like in w- another week of shit entry, take off your clothes. Now, this is my terrible two dimensional sexy time moment. And then his ball shrinking him running away out of there. And then finally uh, him willfully and thinking it's all giggles and fun getting into hypersleep in uh, in the space travel through the theta radiation cloud. Again, completely ignorant of the thaw when he was tortured uh, at length by the space juggalo Chuck McGill. Well, I mean, his brain was going to be plugged into a computer that time. I'm, just, I'm there's a qualitative Bullshit, difference there. weakness. It's terrible. Uh, listen, that he was he was had some strong big dick energy when it came to the Herogen having taken over the ship, and then he has to like figure out a way to like MacGyver the 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 space breakout. You know, he's like Garrett Wang cites that as a terrible episode for himself out of his own ignorance, not realizing that that was the fucking the the best scene of that two part series, I think, was him playing that card and giving him out of trouble. Um Oh, and the other strong entry for him too was uh Well, Demon, he's like, yo, I've I've done all this, I've died, I've I've yeah, I've been in the Delta Quadrant for three years, I'm gonna start asserting myself. Excellent um, you know, excellent moment. You know, it was a good moment. I think that, you know, he 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 was not the worst. I can definitely like I don't I'm, I understand if he's not the best. But I think you can make a much better case for either Tom or Seven of Nine being the worst. I, I also would not say it was uh, Janeway. And we have, I think, twice given her the worst character award. Yeah, well deserved. Uh, yeah, this time, this this season was not her. She was somewhere in the middle, you know, which, you know, it's it's unfortunate for the captain. But let's lighten it up, Joe. What was your best console, console explosion? I feel like you just have to look at uh, Year of Hell and say, man all of the consoles exploded. You had all this gnarly, like self implosion, of the ship, you had whole pieces of the hull missing. Like there's no episode of star Trek Voyager that is ever going to surpass a year of hell for console explosion related effects, just bar none. And they went the distance on that too. You'll always get like a they puff did. of smoke and some sparks. That's rare. You see like broken glass and like real damage to the set that, uh, that's real damage good. to the set and then like real damage to the model too. Well, I was CG, but like they showed like where the, the whole deck got blown out. Yeah, like that was all really the fucking cool. bulkheads are fucked up. Like it was all cool. I gave my vote to uh, a living witness when there's that fist fight in the briefing room and then Janeway takes her phaser and blows up the computer. <laughs> yeah. Evil villain style. That was good. Every was time good. it's it's not often you see a console exploding as a direct result of a Starfleet member shooting it with a gun intentionally. That's 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 one for the ages there. Uh, uh, speaking of lighter, uh, lighter awards, best choking scene. We had some re- <laughs> we had some real contenders this season. For, season four uh, is a season of choking, man. 
hey, Lisa Kink is on the case. You never, oh. you can, she's all over. Uh, we've got three solid options here. Option one, I would be uh, Tom giving the choky, ch- uh, choky choke to Jane Way and Visa V. Uh, we've got seven of nine putting the choke slam on Neelix and Raven. Not just the choke choke slam with potential Borg like assimilation tubes in the mix. And then, of course, uh, Tuvok having a a choke circle jerk with all of the uh, uh, with his grinder hookup in the in on the telepath planet. Um, I think that the seven of nine choke slam is probably qualitatively the single best choke. Uh, but I think it's hard to beat the baffling majesty that is Tuvok getting, <laughs> getting into mutual, sensual, uh, highly, highly charged choke daddy moments in some sweaty back alley on a telepath's planet. The Tuvok one was epic, and I really did enjoy Tom throttling Janeway uh, as the door opened because I was not expecting to see that at all. However, Seven of Nine strangling neelix after that excruciatingly slow scene of him teaching her how to eat food and here comes the shuttle open the shuttle bay like was so gratifying to see him punished for wasting my fucking time with that that i'm gonna go with the seven choke summing neelix is my uh best choking scene for season four Uh, three three strong showings across the board though and there's probably more we forgot about it was just chock full of choking someone asked on the, the trauma support group best prison break i think there's only one real answer Whatever you have to say about the episode, the killing game featured the entire crew in the same episode escaping a mind prison and then an actual imprisonment by by holographic Nazis on the holodeck. The holodeck itself representing a prison like atmosphere because they are trapped in the simulation and then the ship itself as their prison because the Herogen control it. That is a quadruple prison break. Yo, dog, we heard you like prison breaks. So we're going to have a prison break in your prison break while you're prison breaking with your prison break. That's got to be it. I mean, that may be an all timer as far as prison breaks go. It's epic. But if you're going to talk about prison breaks, there's only one person that can be the true focus of that. (laughs) And that is Tom Bad Boy Paris. Yeah, Tom Uh, Gilbert Paris. Absolutely. Convict extraordinaire. And his prison break moment of the season was in one when he escaped from a hypersleep chamber. Not one. But four separate occasions of waking himself up, getting out of this fucking tube. And not only did he escape hypersleep, he also escaped any sort of demonstrable damage or harm as he crawled around in the theta radiation filled void of whatever that goddamn nebula was uh, and and just came out without a fucking scratch. Uh, kudos to you, the, the true Houdini of prison. So uh, best alien race. It's not on here. So I'm just, this is one right off the top. Best guest star alien race. We had a lot of one shot aliens. What was the best one in your? your Where's in your that opinion? one in? It's not on the list. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I, I'm I had I, I swear to God I had that and I had a good one. Who the fuck was it I picked? Because I'm gonna pick the wrong person now and it's gonna fucking infuriate me, Joe. Now you don't have it on here. I swear I'm, to God, I'm, I wrote it down somewhere. What was your favorite? You have best. You have best guest star, which is well, not we'll get hard. to that. Don't you worry about that. Um, oh, so, I know it goddamn well who it is. I went to do it and then my uh, child threw up on me. The best <laughs> alien race, and you can write this in a fucking book right now, without a doubt, was none other than the Cleveland Bromo. Yes! Yes! 
Oh, I was so open. That, oh, yeah. Joe, you got too loud and you just ruined your mic. So while you reconnect your headset. Hello? Can you hear me, Joe? Say something, Joe. Mic tech? All right, while he's yeah, fucking I, around I, with I, that. I, I, oh, there I'm he is. Back. I'm back. <laughs> the Cleveland Bromar are so good that they they not only get a rise out of Jane, but they've, they've driven you to destroying your own property. These <laughs> these Cardassian proto-clowns. <laughs> uh, such shitty, bitchy, cunty fucks, and I loved it. They're so petty. And all of their threats, all of their, their vicious jabs are all just completely founded uh, by the ship of death cruising into their space with their pet Borg that gets loose and just goes roughshod and proves all of their crazy accusations true. And they're and they're also like powerless to follow up on any of their threats. Like Voyager, like just just runs hot dick over all of their ships and is like just plucks seven of nine. Be like, all right, we we got our rogue drone back. Well, uh, we don't really care if you care or not because you guys are pushovers. See ya. Because one of our Type Six shuttlecrafts can bring like your best warships to its. Yeah. so fuck you so they're like they're they're cunty uh, assholes with zero and i mean zero back ability to back it up which is which is very unique in voyager what's that cleveland bromar you don't want us coming in your territory well uh we're gonna do whatever you want what's that janeway we can't pick and choose what law we will respect and won't not in this episode <laughs> another infuriating weakest moment uh nominee for us we're, we're nearing uh the hour uh limit so i wanted to maybe um wrap up our discussion of our awards um i think there's one more we need to give which is season mvp and and i want to do best guest star and then best guest star we'll do both of those and then i think we want to get into like some general talk about uh voyager like season four overall going into season five, some of the changes that are going to happen in season five, um, some of which we've already discussed will be in our next regular episode. Cause we have actually a reviewed uh, night. And, uh, and then finally we will conclude talking about Picard. So uh, season MVP, I see your choice here is, is Charles Ote. Is that, is that true? AKA co-opte, AKA Chuck nasty. Uh, I think I gave him MVP season three, two. I don't remember who he did for season four. Um, this is season in four. Season, I'm sorry, <laughs> season three. Um, season four, especially, he has established himself as a credible leader. He's got a couple weak entries into this killing game uh, coming to the top of the list. But throughout the entire season, I feel that uh, Chakotay really has become the mouthpiece of the viewer. He calls Janeway on a ton of shit. Um up to the point there he just openly contradicts her best wishes like uh, when he throws Janeway's fucking stupid Borg alliance in the trash uh his cult leadership status comes into play a couple times and just i there's so many wild silly decisions that get made repeatedly in Voyager and him being aware that these are bad ideas uh and voicing it um i i feel like once again he's come through strong I felt like the season MVP was the doctor. Um, if you can put Robert Picardo in an episode with Andy Dick and it's still good. I mean, that is some sick. St- another, another week of shit moment. <laughs> that is, that is some strong acting ability. And besides he did, he did send us his regards. 
uh, personally, you know, for our hundredth episode. I am susceptible to bribing, so yeah. you do have a very strong point. So I'm 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 gonna go with the EMH, Robert Picardo. You are our strongest MVP for for season four, as far as I'm concerned. I want to give a season uh, four runner up. Bolana Torres. Bolana continues to establish herself as an interesting character I want to know more about. And I think if she wasn't burdened with the Tom Paris relationship, um, she would have come out a lot stronger in this season. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what they do with her later on. And again, I think her status is coming out as a nerd girl um, has done her a lot of favors in my book. The best guest star i i feel like there's only two possible things you can select as far as like notable guest stars for the whole season and unfortunately one of them is john reese davies who so i mean there's really only one option here um and who, who would it be i think there's two strong options what? and i think i was going to call this best guest star should have been best uh robocop alumni and joe i want to point out to you right now my t-shirt here this is my ocp that's omni consumer products those are the guys that brought you robocop Uh, and that would be ray wise who did a terrific job in hopes and fears uh but my mvp is going to kurtwood spitz for um his character out of uh year of hell he dances circles around everyone that he touches and as i was listening to our episode he outacts everybody to such a degree that my wife was even like why isn't this guy just a regular dude on the show like why why can't like kurtwood smith does tv why couldn't he just be in voyager he is so much better than everybody else and it is biggest the the best reason to just say he's the best Time travel is such a weak point in Voyager and the goofy techno babble and, and lack of reasoning. He doesn't really provide any good scientific reasons to what's going on. And but he reads off the techno babble so well that in an extremely rare showing, I just don't give a fuck. Right. He could have told me that magic unicorns shitting rainbows are what push the sun into the sky every morning. And I would have just believed it because he says it with such uh, conviction and and. And clarity that, yeah, of course the fucking unicorn shit the sun into the sky. Like, duh. Yeah, his whole character in that episode, he's, I guess it's worth pointing out, he's not in the two-parter that much uh, as far as, like, screen time is concerned. He's he's almost, I don't want to say an unseen villain, but he's, he's a rarely seen villain. You really get most of his dialogue in essentially two scenes with Chakotay, where he's, like, really, like, laying out his motivations and, like they have the dinner of all of the stuff of a bunch of civilizations that don't exist anymore and stuff like that. So good. And, uh, you know, the, for a limited amount of screen time, he, he just affects a huge presence on that episode. I completely agree. He's the best guest star of the season. And could you imagine a star Trek show where Kurtwood Smith plays the captain? What, how fucking awesome would that be? Space I Captain, want to show Captain where Space Boddicker? Come on. I want to show where Kurtwood Smith plays Neelix. <laughs> where somehow Neelix becomes the driving force. And you know, not not knocking the guy that actually plays Neelix, but I, yeah. I think Kurtwood Smith could Kurtwood's, really who's had him. I think uh some great episodes. This one this season, one last season, so yeah, I I've warmed up to uh Snarf Snarf. I really maybe overlooked him. I love him. Yeah. I love I love all of these characters at this point, man. I'm bought in. I care about these guys. Uh, they all mean something significant to me. And it's, again, in light of Picard and some of this other 
fucking trash that we we've watched like it's nice to see what's again all new to me to to have this wonderful experience watching these guys and and some warm fuzzy 90s trek uh and the trek drought that we're currently in speak uh, before we move completely out of the wards i'd also want to give one Shout out to another week of shit entry that still infuriates me. Uh, worst day or whatever. Balana's ba- bad day at work. The fucking captain sending two people in a shuttlecraft to reclaim the most important piece of technology in a starship trying to get home. The the warp core. So fucking terrible. I, I just I had to say it. I had to say it again. So fucking stupid. Week of shit. Second place in my book. Let's. Uh... Let's pivot for a second and go ahead and talk about Picard, since you've kind of invoked it, and we'll finish by talking about Picard. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Can we <laughs> just put it back in the fucking you, closet with the gimp? <laughs> you and I both watched the whole series. Uh, we Regretfully, yes. We, we both raged pretty hard, I would say, on the trauma support group as each episode came out. As beyond, you know, We stopped reviewing it because it wasn't fun anymore. Right. Like we were just angry. We hated it so much. It cost us listeners. And I, yeah. and that's, that's everything I, I need to say about yeah, it. Yeah. Like it's straight. It, we, we're, that's such an ugly side to us. It brought out. And so we, I think wisely reflected after we, you know, got some feedback of like the show used to be cool and now it's not where we're like, Oh, you know what? No. Okay. This is probably bad for us to do. Let's, let's bet. Let's, let's bail. But we finished watching it. And the same problems that we talked about in the first seven episodes existed, except in even greater intensity and greater quantity uh, in the last three. Fair to say. Um, so, you know, what was bad about it? Let's talk about what was good about it, because I think there was some really great potential. What was bad about it was was the hope it gave me that it would be good. Yeah. You know, well, the first... Was the first episode, like, just the all of that potential? Was that the bad part of, like... The tapestry was there to tell a really good story and and wrote me in and make me care. And then it fucking kicked me right in the dick instead. Uh, the last episode we reviewed, which I don't remember what the goddamn name of it the was. The Impossible Box. Not a bad episode. I mean, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. I would say it was the second best episode of the series, and everything from there was trash. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds and, and bitchy neck beardy and, and bitch about specific no, characters, but it. I do want to say, broadly speaking, two huge misses here, okay? First of all, I don't know what their goal was. I think they wanted something very political, very thoughtful, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you got any of that, and I think it's easy to say. I think it's fair to say, looking at Picard, that this is an action series first. Do you agree? I don't think they knew what they wanted to do. I think that perhaps some of the story that came out afterwards about how the, the troubled nature of the production, how the budget got cut seemed to really reflected on what they were able to kind of put out as far as the product is concerned. I mean, the whole final episode space battle doesn't actually happen. And I think it doesn't happen because they didn't have the money to do it. And so I, I don't know necessarily if they, if they knew what they were trying to, to produce well i think you can look at each episode containing some spectacular fight scene or another and some of them especially in the beginning were really fucking good fights that the the tal shiar operatives beating the hell out of the tal tal shiar share at chateau picard and and some of the dodge fight sequences really good this is an action tv show right and you have two huge action misses that should have been fucking sweet if you're going to show me a borg cube full of dormant Borg and, and Romulan centurions with guns. 
and there's fights all over the place. Like the ending of this show should have been the Borg waking up and shit hitting the fan and two episodes of survival horror on this Borg cube as they fight their way out in whatever plot there. Instead, it's a five minute sequence where the Borg go uh, rogue under seven of nines, now Borg queen status. They blow them out into space. And it's just such a fucking squander. What should have been fucking awesome action TV. And then the second big miss uh, was, like you said, at the end, when it's the big uh, face off between Romulan and Starfleet and just a stupid number of starships show up. There's like something like two or three hundred fucking Federation ships. And if nothing else, Star Trek should be a TV show about cool starships looking cool. And instead, it is the cheapest shit scene. It's it's literally a CG cutout over and over and over copy paste 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 300 times it's the same fucking ship looking sloppy looking stupid it's worse than the end of uh uh rise of skywalker when all the star destroyers just rise up out of nowhere in in just man how are you gonna be a star trek and just have a bad fucking end space sequence like that and then finally you know my my kind of thoughts on all this is you get jammed with all these terrible goddamn characters you just don't care about i didn't care about with their stupid stories i didn't care about and and these terrible flaws yet in the beginning of these two super good characters that are some of the best Trek characters I've ever seen. The two tell Shiar uh, roommates that Picard has that you establish and do a great job with. And they just never fucking touch again. Yeah. It, 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 I've never f- watched a show that felt so slow yet. So rushed at the same time, like first three episodes didn't really seem to matter for the lot to the last seven. Um, the, they never they seemed very confused about what kind of story they were trying to tell like where is this plot going um it it it's smacked of rewrites it's smacked of reshoots that entire episode with riker and troy was a reshoot the desperate episode that was a reshoot they they made that episode after they had done primary their their primary production and came back and did that one on the cheap and you can tell because the they you know they they realized they needed to do more with like having TNG people in it. It's they never figured out what kind of story they were trying to tell, except maybe that they were ripping off of Mass Effect Three, of course. And uh, as a consequence, the whole story sh- uh, uh, suffered. Not even to get into, I think the overall hor- horrific weight weaknesses and performances. I do think that Patrick Stewart was too old to play Pat. Either he never understood John Luke Picard really, or he's just a little too old to convey the command presence of John Luke Picard, which is certainly possible. Man's in his late seventies. He portrayed, listen, man, he's, he's executive producer. He portrayed the character he wanted to. And I'll go back to what we said before. And it's, don't be your, you should not be your own director. You shouldn't be your own storyteller. And the way he envisioned Picard is, I think, the complete opposite of what Picard was in TNG. And again, I mean, if you were out there and you enjoyed Picard, I'm glad you had an enjoyable experience. And I'm sorry if, you know, our, our sour opinions didn't sit well with you. Um, but it was, it was a very hard show for, for me to sit there and watch a continue quote unquote continuation of next gen and find myself actively looking forward to Picard finally dying. <laughs> Uh, and then being disappointed probably when he says something to me about me as a person. But, um, you know, I was just like, please let this be over. I, you know, the 10 episode promise on this 
And then, of course, it's in our voyages will continue because now I'm in a Android body who's for all intents a human. And I could go on about like, was this really Picard? And, you know, where's the struggle on him to, you know, oh, God, what am I at my core now? I'm just a fucking robot and echoes of another man's memories. But really, when you're in the 24th century, uh, every time you transport, we joke about it just kills you anyways and remakes you with someone else's memory. So I guess in that respects, getting transplanted in a robot body like soul schmo who gives a fuck but i i think that raffi knowing the entire plot yes the episode where raffi just magically gets to understand every single plot element including one she had she no knows that commodore know. o is a romulan plot or plant and just all this other crazy shit like how could it, where, where did the jump to conclusion matt come out here and it's just rushed and it's bad scripting and let's i don't want to justify let's pull it back we're we're doing the thing we said we wouldn't do, and as getting okay, back here, so I yeah. meta meta wise for Trek, I got one other question to ask when it comes to Picard. Does does Star Trek have a future, or is it really just a relic of the past now? Because this, no, one, I think that the lower decks episodes that are going to be coming out, like you said, uh, because it's flying under the radar of management for now. I think the first season is going to be terrific. And uh, I'll say it again, uh, the the Orville, if, if you want yeah. good Trek, it's there. It's in a different uniform, but the spirit is alive. And I think that uh, if we're lucky, Kurtzman will lose the reins and somehow Seth MacFarlane will end up with the actual true Star Trek property. I, and I something don't necessarily even want it to be Seth MacFarlane, but what Star Trek desperately needs is a Mandalorian moment of different creative people getting the opportunity to do something away from the current creative direction and demonstrating that the property has value as long as you have good creatives in charge of it. Like star Wars was just kind of bankrupt itself at warp speed and just, you know, didn't have direction, didn't have a plan. Movies were bad. And then what happened? Guys with an idea, guys with good creative vision made a television show fans of the property yeah, and just killed it right just knocked it out of the park nothing too complicated just right and that that potential still exists for star trek it just needs to be that somebody that is a fan of the property and has creative vision and has the ability to pull it off gets their chance to make their mandalorian and that could still happen. Tell a small story. And this is this is the, the thrust of the Mandalorian is tell a strong story. Tell a small story that's limited in scope with characters you actually care about and and mistakes that you can feel. And Truman hit the nail on the head uh, on the trauma support group when he criticized and Truman had pretty strong opinions of Picard throughout. But when he criticized the scope of the show got so wild and out of control. We had space portals opening and mechanical tentacles coming out and snapping like a fucking cartoon, like chop, 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 like, and it was so absurd that there was just this disconnect. And I felt it's like the same thing in again, uh, rise of Skywalker, like the resurgence of the Sith empire and Palpatine and whatever the hell these crazy uh, stakes were same deal with Picard. It just, it got so fucking absurd. You checked out. It's not a story you can relate to. And it just comes off as stupid. Bring the scope down, tell something small and personable and, and reconnect with your viewership. So pivoting back to Voyager for the last few minutes here. Um, 
season four represents the end of your and I's favorite uh, producer to talk shit about, and that is Jerry Taylor. <laughs> uh, we have risen our fist at Jerry Taylor many times, and um, this this marks the end of her run as showrunner of Voyager. It's uh, Brandon Braga afterwards, and he's got a much different take than Jerry Taylor did. Um, we've spoke specifically on multiple occasions, particularly early on. We kind of faded away from it as a discussion point, but now seems like the right time to pick it back up is Jerry Taylor's use of the feminine voice as a unique storytelling tool. Like she had a real, she had a real line. She was trying to take with how she was using her cast and crew and how she was doing her storytelling that you could, you could feel, I think a lot more early on. And then, it kind of you see the resurgence here in season four with the use of Seven of Nine and and her relationship with Janeway is a huge focal point the entire time. Overall, what do you think? Like you've you you got to see four seasons of of Jerry Taylor, two of her as as showrunner because she took over season three, as you recall, you know, killing off Lon to all of our regrets. Um, did it work? You bitch. Did it not work? What do you think? There are shining moments. Uh, and the gift again, we already talked about it. And I think that's, you know, what prompted was, it was so much girl power. And I'm saying that in a good way, the Beck doll through the, you know, scale through the roof. Um, the, the overshadowing problem with season four, again, it was a seven to nine show. I think that had they taken seven of nine and treated her reconnecting with her humanity with the same pacing, uh, as they did Kess's Jedi powers where it was a little bit here, a little bit there, and then a lot with the resolution where they finally make it clear. It would have destroyed all the complaints I had about seven of nine in this season. Um, I think as a, the feminine voice through season four. Yeah, it, it wasn't as deep as it was in previous episodes with the power of Kess. And I think the gratuitous sex angle they played undermine pretty much any uh, potency it had. Uh, I'll be glad to see Jerry Taylor go. Like you said, we already did our season one or season five episode one review. There's a very different tone with Bran Brandaw. Um, I will say that his curse holds true and that, he, you know, he's got some real shining gems under his belt, but he's a Stephen King. He's very good at telling, uh, setting up a, a great story and then having something dumb squander that and then getting into the details of that dumb thing and really just running it into the dirt needlessly. But the beginning's fucking always awesome. Uh, I like the fact he seems to be setting the table for more high concept sci-fi, um, that there's some darker, more humanistic elements at play. Uh, where the series is going to go from here to get to Darius's question, I know there's a lot more to go on with the Borg. I know that Janeway's going to be kicking a lot of Borg ass uh, I know we've got some more bullshit with the Q coming up just from our conversations, mm -hmm. but uh, season four was such a marked improvement, I think, over season two and season three in its own self-referential status and, and growth that if they continue on those trends, um, I'm already happy with what I'm seeing. And it's going to take some some real heinous shit to, to sour me. And if you're saying that season five is when most people say it starts getting good, I've got some real high hopes. A lot of strong episodes to come. Um, we 
we already got our taste of uh, Captain Proton. So, uh, but I won't say anything more since we go into that a lot uh, next week. So, um, where would you you would you clearly rank season four as the best so far? I guess we kind of spoiled that question. Um, season four top, season four below, season three. What's the worst season that we've seen so far? I think it's probably clearly two. Two. I mean, let me read through these real good for you real quick. My wall of shame here. Tattoo, Elogium, 37s, Non Sequitur, Twisted, Innocence, that's uh, Charles at Tuvok in charge, Resolutions, I don't remember this, Prototype, Dreadnought, some real Balana clunkers in there, like just bad waste of time episodes. Um, yeah, season two, absolutely the worst season three had some infuriating stuff with Q and the gray and uh false prophets. But uh, yeah, I think categorically season four has been the best. I mean, there's just, there's always something good each episode. I don't feel like I'm wasting my time and there's been some very, very strong entries into my all time hall of fame. So, all right. Um, well, thanks it, time. Well spent. Well, that's all we can ask for as we watch it. 25 year old television show so uh that'll wrap up our discussion for the v'ger please uh season four uh, rest in peace uh live uh broadcast uh we'll we'll get this uploaded for everybody else's consumption that couldn't join us live um uh, for thursday uh thank you everybody in chat thank you for everybody that uh participated hope it was fun for you guys i want to make a request uh, anybody out there that disagreed with any of the stuff we said, specifically uh, award nominations and assignments, uh, please jump onto the trauma support group yes. on Facebook <laughs> with your picks for uh, the best, the worst, the weakest shits, the best sci-fi moments. Get on there. I will fight you. It's fine. I enjoy it. And and uh, tell us why Picard was the best. Oh, ever. I don't know if you want or, or don't keep that to yourself. <laughs> I want to I want to also take a, a special moment here and really acknowledge the community that we have. There's not thousands of us uh, out there. You know, we've got 200 ish solid listeners and uh, the people that we do have come out and interact with us on Twitter and whatever. Thank you for always being civil. Thank you for always being fun. I don't know what the fuck's going on with 2020, but man, there is such a polar divide in the Trek viewership out there. And I see some of these other Facebook groups the ship posting groups, the the counter ship posting groups. And it's just so polarized and nasty. And you can't really identify with either camp without seeing something really ugly and saying, Jesus Christ, what's I don't I don't want to be a part of this. This is this is ugly for one reason or another reason. And I always come back to what we've got. I appreciate the way everybody treats each other. And uh, yeah. I appreciate the laughs we're able to have. Everybody respects that everyone's coming from a place of love on their appreciation of Trek. And like, uh, Soren, one of our um, uh, listeners from overseas, he I think he was a bigger fan of Picard than most. Uh, and I, he had a little bit of a challenge of try, say something nice about the episode that I always took up when we were talking about Picard episodes on the group. And I'm like, here's my uh, my Soren sponsored good thing of the episode. <laughs> you know, like I always I always like engage like, OK, I'm going to find one good thing. So, yeah, it's it's just a little anecdote of overall it's a cool community and, and if that appeals to you you want to like jump in on that i know facebook's like you know whatever not exactly the 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 best faceless corporation to give your personal data but you know it's the best way we have to to 
cultivate that kind of community and we are happy to have you join. Just go ahead and apply and we'll, we'll get you included. So, and of course, uh, how could we possibly conclude the discussion of season four without one last shout out to say, thank you so much to everyone who contributed to get that cameo from Robert Picardo to celebrate our hundredth episode. It, it really meant the world to Peter and I, that was incredibly cool. And um, it goes to, sh- it, it, it goes to show how cool you guys are that uh, we do this podcast for fun for a couple hundred people. And you thought so, you think so highly of it that y'all kicked in real money to make that happen. We appreciate it. And a final thank you to Ian, Sarah, that the hands down best part of the fucking Picard series was. <laughs> yes. That rendition of the inner light theme. Like I'm legit sad. We're not doing Picard anymore because I'm not going to hear that on a weekly basis anymore. Uh, and I would make that my ringtone on my phone if I didn't want to punish all the dogs that may be around at the moment when I get a phone call. And so much love. Joe, your mic died again, man. Gee whiz. Clown <laughs> shoes microphone. I really hope that when I edit next week that my mic didn't cut out halfway through that. <laughs> Your mic just cut out halfway uh, through that. Crap. I hope that the whole Zencaster thing didn't get botched because it lost your audio song. All right, All right. Man, let's wrap this up. We, we held these people All captive. Right, thanks too to long. everybody. And we will see you next week with our review of Night. See ya. Will this save?